I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, <coughs> well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 319 of Low Limit Football on this 14th of March, 2021. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, the changing of the guard continues in European football as Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi are both eliminated from the Champions League play within 24 hours of each other, while Erling Holland and Kylian Mbappe continue on to the quarterfinals. Fans at Schalke have started an online petition to bring Ralph Ragnick on as the director of sport after he's received some pushback from the board. And in the marquee matchup, Man United and Milan play to a 1-1 draw, leaving it all to play for at the San Siro this week. We're going to discuss that and much more with our very special guest, Martino Puccio from the Athletic and State of Play podcast, who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? I'm very well, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Just a good week off, uh, touring some colleges, and uh, yeah, just uh, just living life, and uh, one day closer to being back to normal, right, my friend? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a good thing that I wanted to mention that my mom actually got her vaccine this week, and I'm just waiting for my turn, which obviously won't happen until May, but obviously for my dad's turn when he when he's able to do it. That is awesome stuff. I know it's, you know, as, as it happens, you know, there's some places that are having a surplus of vaccines. Some are having a, uh, you know, a shortage and hopefully with, with more vaccines coming online that, that this will get, uh, get through real quick. So, um, we've had a great week of champions league football. Uh, certainly we talked about it. Some, some changing of the guard here. We've had a lot of news come up. Let's, uh, let's jump right into it. My friend, you have the honor of trivia. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, giving it to us. I do. So during this week of the Champions League where we saw a bunch of records broken, we saw Erling Haaland get his 20th goal in the Champions League. We also saw Kylian Mbappe get his 25th goal in the Champions League, become the youngest player ever to do so since Lionel Messi. But having said that, Mbappe now joins the list of these top five active players with the best game to goal ratio. So my question to you, oh, sorry, goal to game ratio, my bad. So my question to you is, can you name the other top four players to be, and they're active, by the way, just to give you a hint, 
who have the best game-to-goal ratio in Champions League history? That's a great question. That is a great question. I'm going to have to put some thought into that. I I, I got a feeling that there's some... um, some names that maybe you wouldn't think of that are going to be on that list. So that's going to be fun to, to answer. And we'll get that to you in just a little bit. So let's, uh, let's jump into our opening thoughts topic. And the opening thoughts topic, again, is focused on the Catalan country and Barcelona. They elected John Laporta as the president for the second time in the club's history. Um, and this is really seen as a, as a, as a move that is potentially uh, going to be a move that will keep Lionel Messi at uh, at Barcelona. It's uh, somebody that he supported. Uh, he beat out Victor Font and Tony Frescia in the voting on Sunday. And he inherits a club that's $1.2 billion in debt right now moving forward. There are questions about the team itself. There are questions about the head coach and Ronald Koeman. And these questions are going to start to get answered as we start to move on. Um, seeing that this is a opening of a new era as as we move into the next level or the next steps for Barcelona's recovery post COVID and post um, virtual bankruptcy here, Roberto, what do you think of Laporta coming in? What do you think this means for keeping Lionel Messi at the club? And and does it mean that maybe Ronald Koeman is out, or do you think that this will signal the the staying for Koeman as well? Well, I think it's it's a lot of factors that are going in. Obviously, I think the the candidate that had the experience beforehand when Barcelona began their kind of renaissance in the in the early 21st century, essentially, I think from 2003 on, they were able to build themselves as one of the top teams in the world and eventually become the best team in the world at one point. And that was when Laporte was in charge. So I think there are a lot of things that will have to be in favor. Obviously, the big one will have to be keeping... Lionel Messi um, to your team and you know I, I think as you said it greatly I think obviously having someone that you voted for win the election is, is a huge plus so now it's I think up to him to see what kind of things that Messi wants um, in order to stay in terms of the financial um, standpoint I, I think it's going to be very difficult to see how they're able to to manage all the books because you know I, I think it starts from from the top up all the way to the team. I think certainly what you have is players that are on enormous amounts of wages. I think certainly some that perhaps haven't been demonstrated of how good they are at Barcelona. I think it will definitely be a huge thing and then we'll definitely see what happens to that Barcelona side when they do go into the into the offseason, regardless of what trophies they win. Because even though they're out of the Champions League, they, they could still win a double, mm-hmm. theoretically speaking. Um, so I think it just depends on there and, and going from that, that I think that depends on Kuman's future. I mean, that, I think that is where it's going on. I think obviously, you know, Barcelona have gone through so many managers in such a short amount of time. We've mentioned, I think it's three and three years or even before that three and two years, if we want to be really specific. Um, so I, I think it would be best for him to stay. I, I think right now we're still seeing a, a team that is trying to have an identity with the mixture of young players coming up, like your Ricky Pugh, your Ansu Fati's, um, your Elax Moriwa, uh, Mingueza, all those type of players. Um, you know, aside from the young players that are already there, like Sergio Dest, uh, Frankie de Jong, and Trincao, Pedri, all those type of players. And you look at the old guys, like even if we're going to have to say it, like Messi, Busquets, Piquet, um, 
you know, even Jordi Alba to an extent. I, I think that's where what's going to happen to this Barcelona side is to see how they're able to change themselves heading into next season. Because I think that's really it. I think they definitely need to bounce and move away from that kind of golden era that they've had because they're not there at this moment. They're not mm-hmm. there. And so I think what Laporte comes with that experience of demonstrating what he's been able to be successful for and to use that kind of, um, you know, record and, and, and perspective as a club president to try to balance things out. It's not going to change overnight because we know that Barcelona are in a whole deep of trouble financially on and off the financially and also on the pitch as well. So it'll take time. But you know how it is for these type of clubs. They, they don't they don't want things. Uh, they, 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 sometimes they don't have patience and they want to have it right there and there. And, you know, it happens to all the biggest clubs in the world. It happens to all of them. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a funny time for Barca. You know, you look back at the start of the season, it was a real dumpster fire. And when Bartomeu finally stepped down and, and, and walked away, it, things started to turn around a little bit. Obviously, there was the question of, is Messi going to stay? Is he going to go? You talk about the wages and, and the financial status. Many of these players have also taken some pay cuts to help to balance the books a little bit, although there's not much to balance. But Laporta steps in right now at this moment in time when – even though they've they've been bounced out of the Champions League by last year's finalist and Paris Saint Germain, they're on a uh, they're on a 15 game I believe or 16 game unbeaten run in La Liga. They have the comeback in the Copa del Rey where they beat Sevilla after coming back. I think there were two goals down if I remember correctly. So there are you know glimmers of hope for this Barca side moving forward in their competitions. They've managed with their unbeaten run also to get within a few points of Atleti, who have been dropping points left and right as well, and still in competition with the Champions League also. So there are there is some hope here. I think, I think you're right. I think that we're going to see a lot of the youth. We've seen a lot of the youth come up and play really out of necessity because they just can't afford to bring on big players. So they're really dipping into La Masia and, and what they're doing there. So... I think that's been kind of a forced um, revelation where they needed to do this financially and they've brought on some some big players, some big young players, like you like you said. So I think that the, the you know, things are starting to look up at Barca, but it's going to be interesting how they manage this particular stretch because of the finances, you know, coming back out of covid, it's going to be a difficult haul for them. They're going to have to really watch the pennies and. That could be the reason Lionel Messi goes is because they're not able to afford his wages. I start to wonder about players like Antoine Griezmann, who has not been what they had expected at Barca. Usman Dembele has been playing better, but again, he hasn't really lived up to the way he played at Borussia Dortmund before coming over. So you wonder about those players. And then, like you said, Rob, these players that are getting older, the Gerard Piquets, the the Sergio Busquets, you know, the Jordi Albas of the world. What do they do with them? Do those guys continue to earn that wage in, you know, for a club that is really trying to, to watch its pennies now? And, and how does Laporta manage that? I think this is the right person to bring them out from the, uh, from the fire and out from the ashes. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes him to do that because I think they're going to financially need to monitor what they do and who they bring in. And I think you'll see more players come up from La Masia, from the academy, and and contribute uh, at least within the next year before they can finally get their finances stabilized, maybe sales of some players, and then move forward with with a team from the ashes. And and does that team have Messi on it? Uh, is he a, an integral part of it? Well, that'll remain to be seen because everybody gets older every year, 
And we're going to have to see if Messi at that point will be 35, 36 years old. Will he be able to manage the, the rigors of La Liga, the rigors of Champions League, the rigors of Copa del Rey and, and, and perform at that Messi level that we're all, uh, all accustomed to. So interesting times at Barcelona. Again, like I said, I feel like things are looking up for the Catalan club. And this is just another big step in that process of recovery and return to greatness for them. So let's table our discussion for Barcelona for the moment. We had a great interview with Martino Puccio from the Athletic and the State of Play podcast talking about Champions League, talking about Juventus, talking about his beloved AC Milan and their performances in the Europa League. So without further ado, the Martino Puccio interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from the Athletic and the State of Play podcast, Martino Puccio. Martino, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back on board. I uh, want to jump right into the Champions League. We saw uh, some great results this week. We saw the dismantling or the changing of the guard, really, with Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi being eliminated within 24 hours of each other. Erling Holland and Kylian Mbappe moving on in this competition. What are you, what's your impression so far of the teams that have moved through into the Champions League? And really, if you want to dive in a little deeper, um, Juve and Barca, what does this mean for those two clubs? So, first of all, thank you guys for having me on, having me on um, the podcast once again. Um, daylight savings, so I was thrown off a little bit, you know, pushing an hour ahead. So... <laughs> We all, were. We, we all were. We all were, Martino. Don't worry. Oh my God. No, I know. It's it, it throws me off like that. And, you know, it sucks more when um, the weather was so beautiful by us for like three days. And now it's kind of reverting back to that winter. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, Champions League. I mean, what can you say, right? This is the first time Messi and Ronaldo both didn't advance to the quarterfinals since 2005, I believe. So... Like that's it. Like that's just so unbelievable. Like I was in elementary school last time, and and like now I'm in my mid twenties. Like that's just the perspective of how insane uh, their success has been in this competition because they're the two best players to play in this competition's history, in my opinion. Um, especially the modernized version after they rebooted it in the mid nineties. So for me, I just think I think it's so unbelievable, and then we're also kind of getting. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to replicate what they did, but, you know, Holland and Mbappe kind of, you know, they're kind of just their own version of it, right? Um, you know, these new players ushering in um, their their dominance in this competition. Um, you know, Barca, Juve, we've, all three of us have been talking on separate occasions for each team because I usually talk to Roberto about Barca and kind of how they've been, fading gradually over the years and the same thing with juve you know it's just kind of their transfer policies changed a little bit they've had more flops in their transfers than some of their fans would like to admit as well um i think barca fans are easily um able to accept some of their guys have been really poor because they've been more obvious their big money purchases juve's gone those you know bosman transfer routes that have kind of bitten them in the behind because their big money purchases haven't been that bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, where, where exactly do you want me to speak on? Because there's just, I mean, there's just been so much going on just in, you know, only half the legs are done because we still have these other matches that have to happen um, with these other teams in the second legs coming up this week. 
Well, Martino, that's a good thing that you mentioned that because I wanted to go into what it means for the two superstars that both Juventus and Barcelona have. And obviously we're talking about Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously we saw some rumors over the last few days that have linked Ronaldo to a move to Real Madrid. I think we also saw that Juve's asking price is around $30 million or something along those lines. Um, we know that Pirlo is look, likely to stay for, until next season, but they are starting to think about moving forward with a different team. Um, and the same for Barcelona. Obviously, we know the famous, um, you know, the fact that Messi is a, a free agent at the end of the season. It's up to him to make the decision if he wants to stay put, even if there is a new president or even if there's a new coach, as we've seen some links to, um, to managers to replace Ronald Koeman. But from your personal perspective, do you feel that both teams heading into next season should move on from both the, the, the their, perspective, their superstars, essentially? I think I think it's more obvious that Juve have to move on from Ronaldo than uh, Messi and Barca because I'm pretty sure it's obvious to me it's that these two players could still on their best day are can be the best player in the world but for me in terms of wages and how the club operates and within their system Ronaldo is a tougher fit for Juve to figure out because it cost them tons of money to pull off something like that. Hence, you know, the $30 million transfer fee. I mean, like, this guy is still going to guarantee you at least 20 goals a season at the bare minimum. So to think that, you know, just all the lure and attraction that he brings to your club alone, that they're willing to get down to that. And I understand there's the year left on the contract as well. It, ju- it just goes to show that, you know, they they can't really afford to do this. And Joe will tell you that. Um because Juve are in a really difficult position where, you know, they were trying to reboot what they were doing in the midfield and they still haven't fully replaced that top midfield when they had Pogba, Marquisio, Pirlo, Vidal and all these top players that, you know, they have a couple of good midfielders, but they still ha- are having trouble replacing that. Like Ramsey and Rabiot haven't been guys that, you know, kind of fit in. They've had trouble, like, you know, working Dybala and Cristiano Ronaldo together. For Barca, you know, like Messi has just been playing his position and he's been great. It's really just been the players not being up to par with him. Dembele's been a total flop. Coutinho's been a no-show. Um, you know, he's he's playing for Bayern, smacking Barcelona in the Champions League. Uh, it's, it's, for me, and, and the stability thing too, right? Because like Juve have had three managers with Cristiano Ronaldo. Like that's... And and it's not like they've been t- a massive failure. They were still winning the league. They were still they they were disappointing in the Champions League, obviously. But they're just gonna fire Pirlo again. Like it wouldn't be wise to do that because if they if they get another manager in there, it's not even just the Ronaldo situation. It's the overall situation. Looking at Juve, where you say to yourself, that club is supposed to be the model of stability in Italy, and now they're moving on to their fourth manager in as many years. And it's just not it's not something that, you know, would be desirable, especially if one of the greatest players of all time were to leave, because then it puts them in a weird position where outside players are potentially would want to be transferring over there saying, okay, they have another new manager there. You hear their owner talking about the constant Super League. You don't really know where the priorities lie. So it's difficult. And then Barcelona, again, similar thing. You don't know who the president's going to be. Um, the manager, again, you want to get rid of Ronald Koeman. I mean, there's just, they look like and sound like they have no idea. And for Messi, you know, it's really kind of just a legacy thing at this point. 
if he chooses to be loyal to Barca, like great for him. He's not really going to have um, too many people going against that because, you know, it's been well documented how loyal he is. And everyone's always like, no one's as loyal as uh, they used to be. But at the end of the day, we can't really hear from him in his camp that they're not able to win the major trophies like the Champions League and even league titles because he chose to stay at a club that, you know, they've been spending money. And then again, Roberto, we have this conversation all the time. This team almost went bankrupt, this club. So we don't even know how much they're able to do in the transfer market to even help him and how much money he's going to be getting paid because it's still not even clear how much he was making, if that was even true, the amount of money. Um, so, again, it's just it's just financially fascinating. Um, you know, tactically, it's impressive. And then the Cristiano Ronaldo back to Real Madrid. I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure if I totally believe that. But then again, Perez and Agnelli were seen together talking, uh, I believe, in Torino at one point. Correct me if, I, um, if I'm wrong at that. That was a rumor. So for me, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's not many places Cristiano can even go to in the first place that can afford him and would be a great fit. So, you know, some people were thinking Miami as well, fellas. So, I mean, you guys kind of let me know there, see if I was wrong. <laughs> Well, Joe, I wanted to go into that because it's a good point of what Martino pointed out of the thing of legacy. And it's good that you actually mentioned the link of Cristiano Ronaldo back to Real Madrid. I want to ask you, Joe, you know, do you feel that for both these players, you know, it, it would feel right for them to, well, for one, for Messi to stay and, and maintain his legacy as a loyal player when we all know that, I, I, excuse me, he hasn't proved, he's proved everything that he's been able to do in his time there. And he's won every title imaginable. So it's almost as if, you know, what else can he demonstrate? And the same for Ronaldo. You know, he's already made his legacy at Real Madrid. He's already done everything that he's been able to do there and won everything there. You wouldn't think that at his age that he would want to go back. And I wouldn't say risk it because I think the type of player that he is, he wouldn't be able to to point to put anything that would stain his his legacy at Real Madrid, but it wouldn't feel right, don't you think? Well, I, I think we, we've got to look at the two players differently. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start with Messi. With, with Messi, you know, he is Barcelona. We was reading an article where he is one of the players that voted in the Laporta election. So, you know, he's been there for 20 years. He hasn't moved on. He hasn't developed somewhere else. This is has been he's strictly Barcelona. When you think of Lionel Messi, you think of Barcelona, period, end of story. And there are very few players in the world that are like that. I mean, Alessandro Del Piero, you think of Juve. There, there are very few. Wayne Rooney, you always think of Manchester United, even though he had some other stints elsewhere. Um, it's always that red jersey that you think of. So with Messi, uh, legacy is already built. Legacy, I don't think, can be tarnished with him. Um, I think legacy would be tarnished if he moved on. Okay. With Cristiano Ronaldo, it, it's a little different because we've seen Cristiano Ronaldo perform in a Manchester United jersey. We've seen him perform and win everything in a Real Madrid jersey. We've seen him uh, win titles. We've seen him, you know, win at Juve. As much as Juventini might want, might not want to admit it. He has won multiple, multiple titles at Juventus. Think about the Scudetti he's already won. Think about things like the Coppa Italia, those sorts of things. So I think that to quote-unquote tarnish a legacy, it might be something where Cristiano might tarnish his image as a Real Madrid player by going back and not performing. The question to me becomes with Cristiano Ronaldo is where 
who wants him? Do you know what I mean? It's does he fit what you're trying to do? Because clearly, in the three years at at Juve, he hasn't really um, fit in as a team. I mean, he's been a superstar. He's he's performed really really well. But there's always been that piece of everything's trying to go through Ronaldo, you know, no matter what. We've seen actually when Ronaldo's been on the bench and players like Dybala are allowed to shine that they played very, very well as a team. But when Cristiano Ronaldo's on the pitch, it's always focused through him. So is he going to go to a team that where he does not become the focus? I think that is going to be the biggest question. And what team would that be? Uh, you know, let's talk about PSG for a minute because I know we, everyone loves to wax poetic about him going to, I'm sorry, uh, Lionel Messi going to PSG, reuniting with Neymar and, and blah, blah, blah. But let's talk about that. I mean, if he went to PSG, could he really be the central figure with, with Kylian Mbappe and with uh, Neymar there? I, I don't know that he could. So for me, it, it, it all depends on who wants Cristiano Ronaldo and how does Cristiano Ronaldo fit into whatever that team is trying to do. That's the biggest question. And I don't think... Real Madrid wants to die. Real Madrid has a bunch of aging stars already. They've got Luka Modric. They've got Sergio Ramos. Karim Benzema is getting up there in age. This is not a team that is going to want to get older. They're going to want to still get younger and continue on that path, the Vinicius and, and, and those sorts of players. So I don't know that he'll go to Real Madrid. He might, but at the same time, you've got to think, does he fit into what Real Madrid is trying to do? And I'm not sure that he does, Rob. Well, Martino, I wanted to jump in now and talk about basically the future, you would say, or even the present because of what we saw in the last few weeks uh, of these two players. And obviously, I'm talking about Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland. Both these teams, both these players were able to score four goals in their round of 16 matches. Obviously, Mbappe got the hat trick against Barca and Haaland got the brace against Sevilla on both occasions. So we, we're talking about two potential you know, future Ballon d'Or winners. I think they're already superstars and phenomenons and at such a young age can definitely be um, the start of an era that was made by Messi and Ronaldo. But obviously we're not comparing both those two players with these two players. But I wanted to ask, which of the two do you feel has impressed you more at such a young age? And for them to go and, and achieve their goal, which is obviously to win the Champions League, what do you feel is the missing piece that is missing for both PSG and for Borussia Dortmund in order to achieve that? Yeah, so I think they're by far two of the best outfield players for their age range of their generation. I just I just think it's true. It's a little it's a little different on who's impressed me more because we've seen way more of one player opposed to the other, um, despite you know. This is just Holland's like second season in Champions League. Mbappe, we saw years ago, you know, being on a Monaco team that was just, you know, otherworldly talented. But then, like, you see him in the World Cup with France in, in 2018, winning that. Like, he's just he's just been around for a while. With Holland, he was just, you know, this really good player who was doing great in the Champions League for Salzburg, and then he got moved for 20 million euros, and people were still a little skeptical of, you know, how good he actually would be, and then. What he's doing right now is just the most unbelievable thing for a striker, in my opinion, since Ronaldo moved over to um, Europe from Brazil um, to PSG as a, as a pure striker, um, you know, because Cristiano and Messi aren't, aren't really that. And even for me, I think he's just ahead of Ibrahimovic in, in terms of what he's just able to do in terms of these big matches, right? Because it's not even just the Champions League stuff, you know, scoring two goals at Bayern Munich in under 10 minutes against a side that won a sex double. Like, it, 
even though Bayern ended up scoring four unanswered. But um, what he's able to do himself, just to even put him, his team in a position to win that. Um, for me, I guess, I guess it's just what have you done for me lately. I find Holland way more impressive in the Champions League. And don't get me wrong, Mbappe, I think, is, is more of a, a complete forward in terms of um, being a facilitator. Holland's work rate and pressing is... is um, as impressive, if not more, than Mbappe's, but they're different types of players. I think it's kind of difficult at times because Mbappe's more out wide than, you know, Holland's more central and closer to goal. So for me, I think they have different qualities, a little bit similar to Ronaldo and Messi, you know. Um, but for me, I, I would say I would say this, very similar to Messi and Ronaldo. For me, Messi impresses me a lot more in the league and... And, you know, it does fantastic in the Champions League, just like Mbappe. But for me, Holland and Cristiano Ronaldo just take it to another level in the Champions League. There's just something about those nights that, they, that they're just ready to step up and just dominate. You know, Holland's already the fastest to get to 20 goals in Champions League history in terms of appearances. So for me, that's just, you know, what he does. And as far as Dortmund goes as a side... I think it's well documented that that defense is just really not up to Champions League, you know, standard in terms of winning that competition. I just think they get confused often at the back. They have regressed mightily since Hakimi has not been properly replaced at right wing back. And it's very difficult to replace a player like that because he's the best in the world at that position. Um I think there's just a lot of inconsistencies with a lot of their players because they do have some experienced players, but Royce and, and Hummels aren't guys that are anywhere near their peak. I think Jaden Sancho is a little bit inconsistent. There's a lot of players on that team in general that were, are more inconsistent than they would have liked to have been because you would have thought, okay, if there was a side that could battle and test Bayern Munich um, you know, in the Bundesliga, it would have been them when reality is this. They're struggling for a Champions League spot at this moment. So for me, I think there's just like an an overall, you know, change that's going to be needed. As for PSG, they were right there in the finals. Whether or not, you know, people were saying there was the one-lane competition that they had that advantage that, you know, we know how PSG struggle in the second leg in a lot of these competitions. Obviously, they took care of business this time around, but it's a different Barca side. But they have a history of it. And, you know, there's Neymar's injury history constantly that they have to worry about. Mauri Cardi is not someone that's reliable as the number nine for them. Um, already hearing whispers of uh, Serie A return, Joe. Hold your breath. I saw uh, <laughs> a link to Juve. So who knows? That could have been just for clicks. But for me, I think it's just PSG is just really about staying healthy and their players not, you know, messing up. I, I just think they have enough talent. Uh, at, at, you know, blue chip talent at the end of the day that, you know, Mbappe and Neymar can turn a match on its head at any given moment. And not many teams in the world have two players that are capable of that. And on top of Kaylor Navas being the most underrated keeper of all time, for, for me, for PSG, it's just they just have to put up or shut up. You know, it's I know that's easier said than done. But for me, I think PSG have enough, but they're still... You know, just a tier below the Man City and Bayerns of the world. They just have to prove it to me. Although, Bayern, uh, I mean, uh, Man City obviously have to prove it because they've never been to a Champions League final. So, for me, I think everybody's kind of underneath Bayern, in my opinion, even though I think City's kind of right there. Uh, but we'll see what happens. 
Boy, I'll tell you, Martino, somewhere Antonio Cassano is wondering if the return of WandaVision <laughs> is coming to, uh, to a, a theater near you in Turin <laughs> is what that comes down to, man. I don't know. I don't know that Juventini could could handle WandaVision at that point. But, well, I digress. Let, oh, you know, God. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to stick. I, I do want to ask you uh, one more question about Juve before I actually jump into Milan real quick. Um, with Juve, we saw in this two-legged affair with Porto, three of the four goals scored by Juve were scored by Federico Chiesa, who is still on a two-year loan. They have not uh, exercised their option. Um, I've got to think that Juve is going to exercise that option. He has been absolutely one of the best players for Juventus all season in all competitions, so I don't see them not doing that. He also adds that youth that, that Juve need to kind of still focus on and get a little younger. Um Obviously, we feel that Ronaldo's pretty much on his way out at this point, that after three years, you know, $30 million fee is going to be something where they're going to recoup some of their losses. But I think ultimately they've made money with Ronaldo because they've made it elsewhere. Uh, I don't know who else, though, gets dismantled out of this. My, my questions to you are really, you know, twofold. Um, and, and, um, you know, in the on the front line, we think of Ronaldo going. Does Paulo Dybala go at this point? Because he has more value mm-hmm. at this point. Do they use him to make some money and to rebuild that midfield? And secondly, we've seen definitely lackluster seasons um, from, and not so much from uh, Adrian Rabio. He's been a little bit more of a shining light the past, uh, I'd say the past month or two. But Rodrigo Betancourt has just not performed the way they had expected him, almost like a, a, a Rugani level where they expected they had higher hopes for Daniele Rugani and it never materialized. Kind of seeing that with Rodrigo Betancourt right now. Do they move Betancourt on? Do they move Rabio on? Do they move Ramsey on and then start to really rebuild that uh, midfield? Yeah, to see, like that's that's the crazy part. Like with Juve, they have so many question marks now of players that they thought they could have relied on. Like Benton Core was playing pretty well under Sadi, and then you know he's just having moments where he, uh, like mental lapses. That Champions League, uh, you know, goal that was inside the first ten minutes against Porto that ultimately ends up costing them the tie. Obviously, you can't pin it on one guy, but you know it just it adds up with moments like that, and it affects your confidence. Um, especially when your play is consistently as poor and said, yeah, I, I just think he's probably going to be the easier one to move on from in terms of, you know, wage and fee. I think he's going to be by far the cheapest out of all those players. And there's going to be, you know, a market for him. He's a good player. He is definitely worthy of a top five of league. But, you know, expectations are different at Hubert. There's more pressure on you um and in terms of playing time as well because he didn't play as much when he initially came over so you know it's taken him some time so we'll see with that as far as Rabiot and Ramsey I think Rabiot's there to stay he's going to be hard to get rid of in the first place with his wages being so high I think he's had inconsistent performances but when he turns up he plays great he's had a knack for scoring some amazing goals like he did against Milan last um last year his goal against Lazio was fantastic that rocket he had um, and, you know, it just takes some time to adapt to the country, to the league, um, and, and just the formation. You know, it's a second manager for him. So so I think he'll stay and adapt. As far as Aaron Ramsey go, it's just it's just more of the same, right? Like, we see him. He does some good things. He does some bad things. He's hurt again. And, you know, it's just really tough to build off of something like that, especially when you get paid as much as he does. Who knows if they're able to... Um, 
dump him because it's going to be really hard for a club, especially a lot of clubs coming off this, you know, COVID pandemic late in the year where finances are like they're financially constrained. So mm-hmm. for me, it's it's going to be hard for them to dump them. And Paulo Dybala, listen, I think I think there's a real chance that he is sold this summer. I think we saw how kind of close they were with Spurs at certain moments or just even, you know, considering Manchester United when we remember, you know, Lukaku was considered to Juve. We don't know how true it was. It could have just been um, a battle for, you know, having try and enter, drive up that price for a player like that. But his name was involved there. And when there's smoke, there's fire. And I truly believe that. For me, I don't think his stock has ever been lower. There's been his injury issues. He's been just really poor when he's on the field. His probably only good match that I saw him play this year was obviously, of course, against Milan Mm -hmm. um, when him and Chiesa have just absolutely dominated uh, in that match. So for me, I just think... I, I don't know if it's in their best interest to sell him now, but I don't think he's going to be playing at Juve into his 30s and kind of being one of the more iconic number 10s that they thought he could have been or would have been for them. I think he's just, you know, just one of those players that was just a really good Juve player, not that generational Ballon d'Or winning, lifting the Champions League trophy best player on Juve yeah. uh, sort of guy. I think I think he's just... I think that moment's kind of passed. Who knows? Maybe he proves us wrong and ends up doing it because he's still pretty young at the end of the day. But just in terms of the amount of years that he's been there, it's really tough seeing that. And I think you wanted me to speak on, I think, Ronaldo or Chiesa was the last uh, topic you were saying or exercising the Chiesa money. I believe it was like 60 million euros, right? After the two years? I think so. I think that sounds about right. And I think he's worth it. I think he's worth every penny uh, at this point, you know, no doubt about it. So, um, again, I don't want to let you go without talking about Milan and their performance in the Europa Mm. League. Uh, 1-1 draw, Manchester United at Old Trafford, coming back to San Siro for the second leg. Um, You know, statistically speaking, they were dominant. They did have the Frank Kessie goal wiped out in this one. What's your impression of Milan's performance so far? And can they get it done in the second leg at home? I think it was... Probably our best European performance since we beat Barca back in two nothing. The anniversary just came up. We beat them two nothing at home. Um, it was Max Allegri's last managed team in Serie A. Um, I, I believe I believe he was still the manager at the time, or it was his last time managing the Champions League for them. And we ended up losing four nothing in the return leg when Niang hit the post um, to kill any chance with the away goals. So for me, like that speaks volumes to it, right? Because we've we haven't seen them in you know uh, European competition, and when they were in there, the biggest match they were in was against Arsenal with Gattuso's team, and they were embarrassed. So there was a lot of nerves settling in for us with our form, um, the injuries. They were missing six to seven main starters. Teo Hernandez wasn't there. Romagnoli wasn't starting. Um, Tonali wasn't even on on there, or Benacer, Ibrahimovic, Mandzukic, Rebic. Like, there were just so many players up and down, Hakan Chalanoglu, that we were really worried heading into it, right? Because Manchester United, they're missing a couple of players, yeah, sure, but they still had Bruno Fernandes. They still had their highly rated um, center backs um, in terms of prices, not uh, in terms of, you know, quality, because we, we know what happens with Harry Maguire. So for me, I think they deserve the 2-1 victory. Unfortunately, whatever happened with VAR, you know, I I don't know what angle anyone saw the ball hitting Kessie's arm, but I digress. Um, 
1-1 result is great, especially, you know, getting that in stoppage time where the result is a draw, yeah, but it feels like a win at the end of the day. It's mentally draining for Man United because they were just about to, you know, pull off that one nothing victory, not giving up any away goals, and we all know how key that is seeing what happened in the Champions League lately. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just a great morale booster for the side that, once again, coming off that Verona victory 2 nothing against one of the tougher defensive sides in Serie A, that they were able to win without their best, and they were able to do it playing well. And it was one of their better matches because we saw them falter in the derby. They got destroyed against Juve, Atalanta, um, losing to Spezia 2 nothing. And fans are starting to worry about, you know, are they even going to make Champions League at this point? Forget about, you know, making uh, 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 the Scudetto run. So for me, I think the result was great. They're going to have the ability to return a lot of players coming up um, in that return leg. And the fact is this. Just play great defense. Um, If you can get a goal, that's great. You'll have Ibrahimovic there, hopefully. Um, So for me, it's just... A great result, and there's more pressure on Manchester United now. You know, Manchester United are the favorites. They just came off a massive victory against Manchester City. They, you know, have been in this competition before. They won it with Ibra, and they've been playing Champions League football. I think there's more pressure on them um, and the names on their team sheet than there is for Milan. So that's just something you don't want to see if you're a Manchester United fan. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about the second leg. I'll say that because the Milan still need to prove it. You know, there's they've had a great season, but at the end of the day, you know, there's still a lot left for them to prove, and especially in the second league. That late goal was definitely a momentum swinger, to say the least. So, Martino, before we let you go, where can everybody find your work? Uh, you guys can find me at Martino Puccio on Twitter. Just share a lot of my work on there, the State of Play podcast. Uh, we got to get Joe back on there as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, along with Roberto because we have him on so many times. He knows about the chip gate. Um, we also, you can find my work on The Athletic. Um, just been writing a lot of stuff there, uh, you know, um, uh, gambling-wise. And we, 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 all three of us were discussing that um, with the Euros. So look out for that. I'm going to probably have uh, something coming up in terms of the Euros and Champions League and Europa League coming up. So branching off a little bit from Serie A. Um, and obviously the State of Play podcast, um, yeah, just those two there. And Milan reports as well. That's something uh, myself and Matt Santangelo do. We do post-match reviews live on Twitch. And then we have the podcast every Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, all the work there. And thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, you know, it's just always a lot of fun to chat with you guys, Clubhouse or on the podcast. Great stuff, man. Always great to chat. And looking forward to having you back again soon, man. Of course, of course. I really appreciate it. You guys enjoy uh, all the games today and all that stuff. And special thanks again to Martino Puccio for joining us. Roberto, let's give the listeners some matches of the week to follow up on this week. Uh, we've got second legs of Champions League coming up this week on Tuesday. We're going to have Man City Mönchengladbach at 3 p.m. And I'm sorry, at 4 p.m. because of the time change. And we're going to have Real Madrid Atalanta come back at 4 p.m. as well on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Bayern Munich Lazio will play their second leg at 4 p.m. And Chelsea Atletico Madrid will play their second leg at 4 p.m. as well. On Thursday, we're going to have the Europa League matchups. The ones really to keep an eye out for are going to be the AC Milan matchup. That is a 1-1 
aggregate going to the second leg. And that is going to be at 4 o'clock on Thursday, as well as the Rangers-Slavia-Prague match, which is also 1-1 on aggregate. That will be a 4 p.m. match as well. Then we jump into Saturday, Eintracht Frankfurt, Union Berlin at 10.30 a.m. And on Sunday, it's a big day. Uh, we do have FA Cup, by the way, this weekend as well, so limited selection on the Premier League matches, but we have West Ham Arsenal at, th- at 11 a.m. Then we follow up with Roma Napoli, 3.45 p.m., Lyon PSG at 4 p.m., and Sociedad Barcelona at 4 p.m. as well to see if they can continue their winning ways in La Liga. Mr. Rojas, you gave us a great, great trivia question at the beginning of the show. Uh, if you wouldn't mind laying it back on us again. Absolutely. So with Kylian Mbappe's 25th goal in the Champions League this week, that puts him on the top five most active players with the best goals to game ratio. Can you name the other four to make that list? Okay, so we're looking for four players and Kylian Mbappe, you gave me one. I'm going to I'm going to guess Erling Holland is going to be one of them. Erling Holland is not on the list yet. Really? Oh, there's got to be a minimum of matches. Yep. let's go with old faithful. Let's go with Cristiano Ronaldo. He is second on the list at 0.76 as a ratio. Let's also add Lionel Messi on that list. He is top of the list with 0.81 as a ratio. Um, I was wrong with uh, Holland. Let's think real quick. And a team that's been... How about Kareem Benzema? Kareem Benzema just missed the list, actually, at 0.55. Okay. How about Luis Suarez? Luis Suarez is not on the list either. I'm gonna, He's at point four one. All right, I'm going to give yeah, you one more. I'm going to give you one more, and then you have to give them to me. Neymar. Neymar is fourth on the list, point six three. I'll give you one more chance to get this last player. Oh, one more, one more player. Uh, active. You said they're all active. active. Yep, they're all active. Um, for, for some stupid reason, he's still active. Gonzalo Higuain. It's not Gonzalo Iwani. All right, give it to me. Who am I missing? So the top one was Lionel Messi at 0.81. Mm-hmm. Second place is Ronaldo at 0.76. Fourth place was Neymar at 0.63. Mbappe's in fifth at 0.6. And in third place at 0.76, Robert Lewandowski. Ah, how, how could I miss that? Ah, it's terrible. I mean, scoring goals by the minute. I know, I know. I thought he was going to be one of your options. Yeah, you know, uh, that's my bad. I should have definitely gotten that one. That's my fault. That's a great question, by the way. So, um, all right, my friend, without any further ado, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. And for episode 319 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Martino Puccio for joining us. Next week, we will go into our quarterfinals of the Champions League, quarterfinals of the Europa League as well. And we'll also look at the international break that will be coming up shortly. So for episode 319 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>